This is now an intro. This is now an intro. Monster Baby Podcast coming up now. That's nice. <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, welcome, everybody, to the Monster Baby Podcast. My name is Lisa Rowland. I am Ted DeMaison. We are excited about today's episode, and that is because we, in this episode, we deal, we, we answer questions that have come to us in the email. In the email. This is an inaugural... <laughs> an inaugural <laughs> mailbag Mailbag, episode. an inaugural email bag. We have not yet received any snail mail actual letters. Oh, scented how, would, with, how would they know how to do scented that? Sent with perfume. That's right. Well, that's a good they question. They wouldn't know how to do that. That's how would they know how to reach us? I think somebody enterprising could go to the website, look at the like about, about like page, yeah. find my address, send a note. I'm not, not suggesting they not do that this. Not that Ted wants you to do that. No, just saying I if just you, someone enterprising could send him that. a perfume scented email. E, e, not email. <laughs> perfume scented email. I want to get one of those. <laughs> I want one of those. Scratch and sniff on my computer. Uh, let's get down to it. Let's get down to it. We, in this one, we deal with their, we, we share four different letters that we've gotten. Some of them raise specific questions. Some of them just raise interesting ways to think about some of the stuff that we've handled that we wanted to share with you because we were really inspired by the way they put stuff. Yeah, so we took the letters and uh, riffed on them a little bit. Yeah. Hey, and heads up, for our, in our last letter, it does... Which it, is the fourth. Which is the fourth letter. Yeah, the fourth letter of the, of the episode. There is a, it deals with some sensitive information and our, our the writer of the letter it shares an experience of some abuse that they experienced as a as a kid. And so if that is going to be something you don't want to listen to, we wanted to give you that heads up now. Right. So after the third letter... Uh, go, go for a stretch break. Go for a stretch. Yeah. And we'll see you on the next episode. But uh, if that sounds okay to listen to, stick with us. And yeah. uh, it it's, was moving for us. Yeah, it and sure hope, was. hope that it will be for you. So we'll let you get on to it. And uh, we'll see you on the flip side. Enjoy the episode. Bye-bye. Ladies and gentlemen, here we are. Here we go. Welcome to the mailbag. Yeah. Our first ever. I know. I'm really excited. We've gotten a couple of letters from people, and some of those had questions in them, and so we're gonna we're gonna answer those. Also, it feels that I should introduce. So, right now, Ted and I are in my apartment, uh, and joined by my two cats, Simon and Puck. And Puck is in my lap, just purring up a storm. So maybe you can hear that. I don't know. Maybe not. But and if you can, you can just imagine a. A warm fur ball on your belly, yeah, he's, or on your a, lap. It's pretty delightful. He's so pretty you sweet. may hear cat noises, and that's that's who they are. Yeah, they could be purrs. They could be um, sounds oh. of calamity. Yes, because these two guys like to get into trouble. They're troublemakers. Uh, but here we are. Uh, yeah, the mailbag is. It's been so sweet to get some letters from folks uh, to our email address info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Yes, and. Uh, we yeah, and we've been kind of saving them up. Right. Uh, and and some of them have just been, hey, I really love what you're talking about, or this made, you know, this episode made me think of this other thing. Uh, but some of them have been questions of like, will you talk about this thing? And so those are the ones that we're going to talk about today. Right on. Yeah. Right on. So uh, our first one, <laughs> this is exciting, comes from uh, our li- reader, Noel. Our reader, our listener. Our friend. Our friend. Hello, Noel. If you're listening, um, so let's see. So Lisa's going to read this, pretending as if she were Noel. She's not going to. Well, I don't know. Maybe she will try to give us a Noel impression. 
I am not okay. going to give you an oral impression, but I will say what it says. So, so first of all, she talks about she talks about monster babies as as a noun describing people who ascribe to this way of being, kind of playful, mindful, yeah, curious and so, kind. So perhaps all say. of our listeners in Noelle's definition would be monster babies. I think so. So she says, "Dear Lisa and Ted, my own recent experience with monster babies." Thank you. She's been to a couple of our retreats. Has made me realize I'm not the antisocial person I thought I was. I just crave deeper interactions than most stock social situations require or even desire. Which is so frustrating, I've been avoiding them as much as possible. So now I'm looking at how to discover and explore those connections in meaningful ways. I've noticed that people in the improv community frequently, though of course not always, form supportive friendships among themselves due to the open, trusting, and giving situations that they've been through together. But if you're not in or around that community, it seems to be hard to find that level of connection and acceptance. Outside of the improv community, where else do you look for and find meaningful friendships? Are your friendships with improvisers different than with non-improvisers? And if so, why do you think that is? I'm sure I've only seen small slivers of the improv community, and I'm looking at it through rosy monster baby glasses. (laughs) TM. But it sure seems nice and currently very far away. I'm so very much delighting in your podcast. Noelle. Hmm. I like that she claimed the trademark. I do too. <laughs> Those as soon as we get our merch department up and running, you'll be able to purchase Monster Baby rose-colored glasses. Rose, yeah, rosy, rosy Monster Baby glasses. <laughs> this notion of well, thank you for your question, Noel. Yeah, thanks for writing. The, thanks for asking. The I'm trying to think of like how many of my friends are not improvisers these days. Since I moved to San Francisco. Most of my friends are, mm-hmm. but I th- I would say that my friends who are not improvisers are kind of improvisers in spirit. That's the thing is I feel like I I feel like the the thing that I look for is like will people play with me? And I tend not to make friends with people who are not playful. Like generally, mm-hmm. I'm mm-hmm. looking for the playful types. Yeah, um, and I think play. Oh, so this is this could be an interesting <laughs> episode someday, but but I think play implies a lot. So play is optimistic, play is cooperative, play sure. is imaginative. Like there's a lot of things that go along. So if somebody's willing to play with you, it's likely that these other things kind of come along for the ride. And there are people that I've encountered in the world that immediately I'm like, oh, you are my people. Mm-hmm. And generally it's because they're really playful people. And they're willing to play with me right away. Like, we don't need to warm up. We don't have to go through that small talk. Yes. By the way, I just want to say, Noelle, that I love I love that discovery that it's like, oh, I'm not antisocial. I'm just not interested in what a lot of these interactions yeah. are. I've kind like, of got high standards. That's a powerful discovery. Yeah, that's, that's cool. That's really cool. Well, I'm noticing this. You know, you just celebrated your birthday last week. Yeah. And had this great party. There were so many great people there, mm. a lot of whom I didn't know before the party, but who I could just sort of jump right in yeah. into having a great time with, whether it was dancing or having a conversation. For me, the biggest, one of the biggest differences, along with play, is people's willingness to say yes and, not technically necessarily, but in the spirit of a conversation. So mm-hmm. we're going to share the control of the conversation. I'm going to contribute. You're going to contribute. We're going to build on what each other says, you know, and it doesn't get into this kind of debate approach to conversation of who's right. And I'm going to show you who's right. It's more like, what can we discover together 
by allowing this mutuality. I would say that there's also a an interest in discovering something. So there's a curiosity. I feel like a lot of conversations that I have with kind of who I would describe as like less playful people or not 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 monster babies <laughs> is like you know, the small talk, like I'm actually a believer in small talk. I think it's a very powerful gateway gateway process. Like I think you need it. You need to start with like the little whatevers so that there's a little hook, right? And if yeah. somebody says, oh, I work in this kind of field and I say, oh, did you always? And they say, well, no, I used to do something different. Then it's like, oh, great. Tell me what inspired the change. Or like, was there a moment that you knew right. you needed to get out of that? Or how, you know, has it been hard or have people been resistant to that? Like there's, so there's curiosity, you know, that like gets, you find your, yes. it's like you find a little finger hold in the small talk to, as a pathway to something more. But, um, but the conversations that I find least inspiring are when it's like just small talk, because that's, those are the questions that we ask and then it stops, you know, yeah, what when, do you do? Oh, software. Cool. Cool. When, I'm always baffled when I say I do improv and they're like, oh, huh. And they don't ask more. I'm like, you do do not tell me that that is like an expected and you have a healthy healthy self valuation. Come on, yeah, come on. This is more that interesting. That is a than cool that. job. It's on you to give ask me, me a question. question. Yeah, right. <laughs> Your approach to that conversation reminds me of what we were talking about with scenes of allowing a, a platform to set up to to build something positive. We're just kind of got this neutral thing at the beginning, just mm. establishing that we know each other. There's some everyday going on, yeah. and then the discovery turns us to the more creative or interesting yeah. tone of what's happening. Right? Yeah. Hmm. But there's got to be this, there's got to be also an openness, right? Mm-hmm. So like that's the other, I think, quality of conversational partners that I find exciting is that they're willing to say what's really going on. Like they're willing to, right. they're willing to, to give up some information yes. and tell you what their experience is like. Yeah. For real. Yeah. Now, Noelle, you didn't ask about this specifically in your note, but it is kind of monster baby related in that I also find myself these days uh, being much more careful in choosing friends about whether people or not people can practice mindfulness in their way of being. And and the place where it shows up most is I have a really hard time being around people who are emotionally reactive now. Like if they're blaming or something happens and they just kind of lash out or they can't pause and say, hmm, okay, I'm noticing I'm. this is coming up for me. If they just sort of get whipped around by whatever stirs in their life, it's hard for me to be around. Mm-hmm. I'm much more likely to be drawn to folks who can pause for a moment, you know, be curious about their experience rather than just fighting it right away, that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, it, It's become a, not a prerequisite, what's the word? A litmus of mm. sorts. Mm-hmm. A litmus. It's a fun word to say. Litmus. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, I recognize that we're not answering your question, which is where do you find these people? So for the part of your question, which is are, are friendships with, with improvisers different than friendships with non-improvisers? For the most part, I want to say yes. Like, for the most part, being an improviser has a pretty good, like, sets your odds up pretty well of of being able to fall into kind of a a satisfying real time fun playful interaction without the without the the ramp up or the kind yes. of like you just drop into something real right away and I actually don't know exactly why that is 
I don't know exactly why that is, but I remember going to a an improv festival. I think I mentioned this on a previous episode, going to an improv festival and feeling like it was a family reunion, mm. just full of people I had never met yet because it was like, oh, you, like I've heard of you or I, whatever, like we've heard each other's names because we're in the improv community, like a big hug and we're chatting and we're chatting about real shit right away. You know, it's just none of the awkwardness mm-hmm. of early stranger interaction is there. Mm-hmm. There's just this, like, comfort. Maybe it's because improvisers practice comfort and ambiguity, so we don't get fearful right. as easily in yep. those situations, or we trust that it's going to go fine, and so it's, we just can kind of, like, be there with all of our faculties about us. Um, I don't know. It's I don't know. Yeah, and I've experienced something similar with when I'm on mindfulness retreats or yeah. trainings or whatever, just... Kind of settles into an ease, a way, an easeful way of being, like a willingness to, to be there with yeah. all with your with your whole self and welcome the whole self of other people there. Yeah, and so outside of the communities, where do I find those? I guess I look for those qualities. I mean, yeah. I I find friends. Some of my friends I have through softball, through playing softball, and the guys I hang out with most have definitely those qualities. definitely have these qualities for yeah. sure. Um, times when I've gone to church or to meditation community that's been another place I've found friends dance community mm-hmm. similar thing friends of friends that's another way I meet people people who make art artists mm-hmm. I find tend to have this sort of playful whim, they have access to whimsy yeah access to whimsy yeah and then of course there's all the uh Friendship and dating sites that you know are geared towards monster baby people. Like, that, speaking of merchandise, that could be another branch out. Oh my gosh, we should make a dating site. A dating site, monster baby. Okay, are we making that for ourselves? What, for, for, uh, so that we can meet people exactly f- first. Okay, yeah. hell, and hell then yeah. and then we'll branch out. <laughs> TM. <laughs> and it'll be a platform for other people to meet to meet each other. But first, it's like you can line up if you're interested in dating either Ted or Lisa. That's fine. <laughs> That's info at monsterbabypodcast.com. <laughs> All right. Uh, we, we ready to move on? Sure, to yeah. New... Sure, yeah. Oh, but the last thing I would say in closing is simply, um, I think there are improvisers, kind of capital I improvisers in their soul uh, out there who are not doing improv. So it's right. like they're out there. And I think there is a little bit of following the interactions that feel good and knowing that they might, they, you might find one of those playful people kind of anywhere, mm. you know, that they, that they're, they're out there and they're just waiting to be turned on by the That's kind right. of spirit that you bring to a conversation that is interested in like ideas and playfulness, wordplay and get, you know, just like yeah. all of the, uh, and, and honesty. Like being able to be honest right away, and so drop those little glowing hints yeah. and questions into conversation, and people will be like, if the if they know the sign, it's like you're yeah dangling bait, <laughs> and it's gonna work for some fish, right? Not all fish. Maybe maybe you'll catch a shark. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> our second letter comes from our friend Anton, who says this. Yeah. Hi, friends. Hi, Anton. Hey, Anton. Thanks for writing. <laughs> I just listened to an Improv Nerd podcast episode where Jimmy Corain did a scene with T.J. Jagodowski. Side note, fantastic improviser. Yes. Uh, and afterwards, someone asked about how the improvisers used discovery and invention in their scene and how they feel about the two. I love discovery in an improv scene. It energizes me and gets all sorts of improv juices flowing. On the other hand, I struggle with invention. 
I fear that it will lead to me being quiet for too long, thinking of something to add. Could you guys do an episode on one versus the other? With respect to mindfulness, it seems like mindfulness is mostly discovery, but maybe you can say more on that. And if there is a place for invention in a mindfulness practice. Love a, you and see you soon. What a cool question. Mm-hmm. Do we start with improv? Sure. Yeah, let me, let's just help help folks out. What do, we, what do you think Anton means by discovery and invention? I think that there are, my experience of that is that inside a scene, uh, if there is often this process of discovering, in fact, my favorite mode on stage is like discovering what the scene is while it's happening. And inventing feels like, and discovery I don't think you can really do alone. Right. And inventing is sitting there and thinking something up. Instead of kind of using your imagination to see your see the world that you're in, notice the cues your partner is giving you, and that builds a story in your mind that you're not responsible for. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like, I, I'm not I'm not responsible for that. I notice it out there because I'm paying attention. Right, and even with invention, you still have to be willing to let go. So maybe I come up with a like, okay, I think we're in a. Uh, I've decided we're in a film noir detective's office. Right, or we're in a uh, western tavern. Mm -hmm. And I start acting that way. Yeah. But you may say something that changes that reality. I need yeah. to let go of it. But I've still been in that mode of like, almost like a prefab existence yeah. or premise. Yeah. yeah. Nicely said. Yeah. Um, and so yeah, getting into that discovery mode is often, I'm sorry, the, the invention mode. I, I agree with Anton. It kind of gets me in my head more. I'm trying to figure out when you need to be. Well, maybe when you're um, trying to find the th a link between two separate elements of the plot that are unfolding. So you've got two tracks and like, how do they go together? Yeah, but yeah, even that though, it feels like... Can be discovered. Yeah. I mean, mm -hmm. it feels like if you've got these two things, it's like, oh, well, those two things are in the same story. What, like, you just got to, like, your brain is going to put a connection together, right? Like, that feels different than inventing something to me. Like... Inventing something to me feels like when a story's going along on one track and apropos of nothing, not responding to something that's already been in the story, not responding to an offer that anybody's made, somebody comes in kind of from a 90 degree angle and, and changes the course of the story mm. that, ha that, was, that did not organically grow from what was already there. That feels like that was invented. It's almost an imposed, an imposition. Yeah, it mm -hmm. feels like it's not... I think, but maybe, maybe. Anton right, and sometimes that could be just a playful curveball. Yeah, that's true. You know, is there scenes kind of moving along, and here comes somebody who's like, "I just want to mess with the scene." Yeah. Well, I'm going to come in as like. Yeah, or a, I want to. I want to play with the improvisers. Like I want to. I right. want to tickle the improvisers. So maybe I'll make a meta leap, and like all of a sudden now I'm a director who's. What uh, I'm watching, watching the, the scene. Film. Film. Yeah, right, yeah. right, right, right. Yeah. So. So it's an interesting question about if there's a place for invention and mindfulness. Can I just say something? <laughs> I think you are going to. I think you are I going can, to. And you I have can, full you have full permission from I can, me. I can hold it. But I there's something interesting, which is that even when like what I call having a hit, having a hit for something, even when you've got a hit for something that like messes with something, there's something about that hit, like it occurs to you. That is still discovery. It's like it was given. It was given to me. Right. I didn't. 
sit here and think of like, hmm, what could I do here that would change the course of things? Or how could I... Yeah. Although sometimes, like sometimes you need that, right? So sometimes I think if you're off stage and you're telling a certain kind of story and you know that there needs to be a villain, you might be sitting off stage being like, all right, I could be like a really big mean villain. I could be kind of a quiet lower status villain I could be you're, like, bringing, what, you're bringing that villain on with, what seems yeah. like I know that I, I think that the story needs that to happen so I will co- I'll come up with I'll make that make mm-hmm. that choice of what character mm-hmm. to play I suppose that's an invention thing yeah I don't I don't know that mindfulness has an invention component quality to it uh, other than to say you know it's maybe if it's related to intention in some way um mm. Of like I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep coming back to my breath, but that's not, that's more like you're just your what you're intending to what you're setting out to do, rather than inventing something per se. Do you agree that that mindfulness is discovery, in that kind of like talk a little bit about that? There is definitely an element of simply being present to what is yeah and so like you kind of discover more of the moment yeah do a body scan i'm like huh how are how are the muscles in my calf today and i'm not trying to change it or make it relax or make it be any certain thing it's more just like what is it huh okay cool and there's the curiosity or here's this thought pattern that i've been circling on cycling on it just keeps spinning around and around and around uh, okay, well, let me sit with it today and discover how is it different. Mm-hmm. So normally I'm thinking about, um, hmm, when is when am I going to start learning how to market these programs that I want to market? And I, rather than just being like, okay, is it is my feeling about that different today than it usually is? Yeah. So there can be a discovery in that. Mm-hmm. In just sort of sitting by the stream, watching, yeah, noticing, noticing more. Noticing more, being yeah. curious about it. Uh, and then also in that process, noting how things change. That when we give them space, they change on their own. Yeah. So there's that kind of discovery like, oh, yeah, now guess... it's more relaxed just because I was paying attention. Yeah. Or, or it's, it's gotten tenser. Since I guess I was like there's a, there's a fundamental difference in the two disciplines given that improv is a gener- – you're generating – you're, That's you've right. got to generate, you got to make offers. And so there is f- much more often an opportunity for invention. And, and if, I guess that's when it's, when it's, when it's called for is that it's like, you got to make stuff up. <laughs> you've got to make things up about how you know the person on stage and the world that you're in and the environment you're in and stuff like that. So the interpersonal forms of mindfulness, I think have more of this quality to them. Mm-hmm. So if we're doing a listening exercise and let's say that you're speaking for two minutes about a time when you were younger that you felt inspired. And mm-hmm. I'm just listening, but I'm listening to your words and to your body language. And then at the end of your two minutes, I reflect back to you precisely what I heard and what I saw in your body language. Like, oh, when you talked about that, you scratched your shoulder. Then as you're listening to me reflect that back, that might bring up some discovery yeah. as well. But I think you're right. There's a certain interactivity that lends yeah. itself to mutual discovery. In what? In improv? And in mindfulness. And that in mindfulness. When mindfulness gets interactive. Right. Right. That more of that can come up. The invention? No, the discovery. Oh, okay. Mutual discovery. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'm on this kick lately, which is 
in teaching, which is like, I think what people show up for is to watch us discover the story. So the more we can do that, the better. And it feels like the way that we do that is we put ourselves in the right, we are intentional about certain things. We're intentional about using our, activating our imaginations, activating the environment and caring about the people on stage. Mm. We're intentional about those things. And from doing that, like that's, it's like, then that like gets the big wheel moving, you know, and then everything else kind nice. of follows. And if we're, if we're, if our imagination is, is activated and our environment is activated, then even when I'm looking around and seeing the environment that I'm in, it's discovering what's there because mm-hmm. my imagination has given it to me. Cool. And that's pretty cool. Cool. That's my favorite kind of improv to watch. Mm-hmm. Joyous. You can, you, yeah, you can just, in the audience, you can just see it happen. It's like, oh, they, they came out of nowhere. Yeah, they're, right? yeah, you can, you can watch the moment of conception. Step by step. Wow, that's pretty intense. I know. It is intense. Ideational. Idea. Sperm meets ideational egg. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I guess. <laughs> Imaginative intercourse. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, we're going to have to up the rating on this episode to PG mature only. (laughs) All right, next. Let's do the next one. I hope that helped, Anton. I hope that was interesting. Thank you for writing. On to our third, which is uh, a note which comes to us from Mareka. She says, Ted and Lisa, the podcast is so rich with lessons, perspectives, reinforcement for a way to approach life's changes and adventure with open and welcoming mind, attitude, and behaviors. Cool. I just moved from Eugene to Champaign-Urbana, Illinois, to start a one-year intensive veterinary internship that, when I first found out about it, terrified me. The change and the perceived risk of leaving my safety zone overwhelmed me for a while, and yet, embracing the adventure of it has made it so far amazing. Of course, Right. Listening to your podcast has offered such a reinforcement for the kind of approach I want to have, not just to the big thing that's happening, but also the little surprises of every day, Mm -hmm. which is so cool. Mm -hmm. For example, the Positive Thinking Podcast Five Responses to the Same Offer exercise is something I think applies so well to to emergency medicine. I love this part. I think this is so cool. You never know what's going to walk or fly or be carried in. And I think we can approach any of those moments with an, oh, crap, why do I have to do this? Or, shoot, I really hate snakes attitude, all the way to... I can't wait to see what this turns out to be, or I'm so grateful I get to see a parrot for the first time ever right now (laughs) approach. Your podcast is such a reinforcement for being aware of every choice we get to make in every moment of every day, and that's just one example. Please keep doing what you're doing. It's fabulous and fun and learningful. Parentheses, a term I I like to use for when learning and teaching happens all at the same time. Thank you, Marika. That's my favorite kind of learning. Simp number 61. Stanford improviser number 61. Cool. Uh, learning full. So I just love, I love the awareness that every, every reaction we have is a choice that, that we can make. Um, but also this, this whole, um, the duality in some way of the way that we're going to respond to the big thing that's happening, but also the little surprises of every day. Mm -hmm. And in some ways that, that so echoes improv scenes because I think that so often we feel like we need to wade through the beginning part to get to what the scene is really about. And the truth is, the beginning part is what the scene it's is about. Like, this yeah, is right all there. you have is what is happening yes. in this moment. So pay attention to it because there's something in it that will become what the scene is about. Right. You can't jump to the what the scene is about. You can't. 
Yeah, it's a, a bypass. Yeah. A spiritual bypass or a lifeful bypass. That you can't, like you right. can't bypass that stuff. You know, you're right here. Right. You'll always be right this here. This is all, you'll always, God, that, you'll always be right here. Yeah. So I just love that, Marika. I'm glad that you, I'm glad that you shared it. I love the notion of choosing that uh, or embracing the adventure, like you say, big picture or small picture. So I'm going to, I'm moving across the country to this veterinary program. Yeah. So it could be scary and maybe it is. Uh, but it's also like, who knows what's going to happen? Yeah. Ooh, great. And then the same thing of any moment, choosing that, any little tiny moment. I, you know, I notice that when I tend to be able to embrace adventure less, I think we've mentioned this too on the podcast, when I'm tired or hungry. Yeah. And that's where the practice of these things, of mindfulness, of improv, help. Because it, it's reset the default. Reset what's the, I can catch myself starting to get cranky and not have the adventure and say, you know what? Let's go ahead and choose the adventure. Yeah, yeah, Let's yeah. Let's do it that way. That's great. And and so it's great to hear you talking about that, Marika, because uh, that's a good inspiration for me yeah. to keep doing it in my life. And I I think that, that adventure mindset also just totally applies to the big things and the small things. Um, my friend and also fellow Stanford improviser, Sasha Cox, who is the founder of a company called Trail Mavens, a business called Trail Mavens, which brings, takes women, urban women, it, it provides out, outdoor adventures for urban women. It's awesome. Fantastic. Group. So good. And gets her, her mission is to, is to empower women to get outside and enjoy nature. And she finds that so often women only go with their boyfriends or their brothers or their dads, that men are kind of the ones that are, that hold these skills right. and that women go, go along with it. So she wants to be like, this is how you get permits. This is how you build a fire. This is how you use a camp stove. This is all of the things that you're going to need. And she does it in such an amazing way. So little plug, go check out trailmavens.com. But recently I was working with her or she, she shared with me the outline of a talk that she gave that was all about adventure. Mm. And she said, I want you to live a bold, adventurous life. And those adventures can mean anything. If we approach all of the little details in life like an adventure, we get into this mode of, I accept the risk that this might not work out, right? Because mm. when you go on an adventure, there is some unknown in it, but that's right. the fun part of it, right? Yeah. So I... I, I I kind of say yes to what's coming next, and I accept the 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 possibility that this isn't going to work out. But I recognize that that's part of an adventure, and I and I I like move out to the edges of my comfort zone. So she gave this great example how she was like, I never wear white pants, and I'm like nervous about wearing white pants, but I'm having a white pants adventure. Like I'm gonna give it a shot and see what happens. It's like this little experiment. This is something she did or you did? She did it. She did. Okay. And like, I like made a little art piece for my, for my patio. This is me talking, Lisa. And it's like, I'm just going to have a little, let's go on this adventure and see what this is about. It it removes any pressure to have to get it right or to have to do it, Mm -hmm. to do it perfectly or to have to, you know, be precious about any of it because adventures are like kind of messy and, and there's like this element of unknown and you're doing it anyway. So however it goes, there's some satisfaction. However it goes, there's some, yeah, it's like you, well, you did that adventure. That was an adventure. Right. And so I just love that kind of dialing that down into the small details, too, that those can be little adventures. Yeah, so cool. Yeah. So cool. Adventures in social interaction, adventures in, in calling your congressperson, adventures in, right. you know, like whatever it is. Like, well, let's go on this adventure, see what happens. 
It's so applicable everywhere. Oh. Right on. Right on. Thank you for echoing that. Thank you, Sasha Cox. All right. Uh, we've got one more letter. Uh, and this one's a little bit longer, so, so stick with us. But um, this is a powerful letter, and this is from uh, one of our listeners. And we're not going to use his real name. You'll see why. Um, but uh, we're going to call him Conrad. Yeah. And uh, so Conrad sent us this letter, and um, we were very moved and honored to, to hear it. So here it is. Uh, Dear Ted and Lisa, when I was six, I was sexually abused a couple times. Dealing with that abuse has been a major task in my life since about the age of 32. When I first acknowledged what had happened, and began to understand its impact. I've done a fair amount of therapy on it, gained a lot of insights, and I'm in a relatively good, yet still challenging place about it. Your episode on shared control, which I think was number four, offered me a new insight. In general, you all put out the idea that in improv, we share control and that when we put something out there, there's no guarantee that the response we get will be what we expect and that we need to be okay with that to let go of our preconceived or even preferred notions of what would happen and then to work with a new material, not denying it, but incorporating it. An example you gave that I recall was of Ted making a twisting motion with his hands as if he imagined he were opening several jars. And Lisa then chimed in something to the effect of, good work, only 10 more squirrel necks to break. Very funny, by the way. Uh, and I'm vegetarian, says Conrad. <laughs> you also spoke about living our lives, not just doing our improv with a shared control approach. Ted, you mentioned that you like to hang out with people who are open to that way of being. The insight I picked up, which you did not mention specifically, is that shared control is not only a good approach to living our life now, but also a useful way to look back and understand our past. When I was six in my, in quotes, improv life, I presented to the world a six-year-old peacefully asleep in bed. The response I expected was nothing for about eight hours, followed by perhaps by waking up, stretching, and my mom offering me a bowl of cereal. Instead, the response I got was a young man coming into my bed and violating me. I did then what any six-year-old would do. I froze in shock and let him do what he did. Now, as a 48-year-old and looking at that experience through the lens of shared control, I can see that I received something unexpected and unwanted. And as an improv, I need to accept that and make my next move, even some 42 years later. And I know that the move I make will inevitably include that unwanted part of the story and can also be a positive move, one with no predetermined outcome, and one that is a step towards joy, compassion, forgiveness. And I'll see what unfolds from there. In short, your concept of shared control helps us not only in living our life today, but also in understanding our past so we might move forward. Thanks, and keep up the good work. Peace, Conrad. Mm. Yeah. That's powerful and moving. Intense. And intense. Uh, you know, thank you for sharing that story uh, and the pain of it. Um, and what a what a interesting and um, sacred way to apply these insights. Yeah. You know, I, I'm really moved by that sort of time travel aspect of it, of saying, I'm going to go back and apply this healing approach to something that a younger me didn't have access to. Yeah. You know, or it's like put a, in context like in a different way. an accepting approach almost. It's mm -hmm. like, I, because that idea of sharing control is like you take what you get, you have to. And then you and then you take the next step, right? It's right. like you 
you're given something. And so the idea of, go, a look, of putting that lens on it and shifting from a lens of, but that wasn't fair, that shouldn't have happened, and that was wrong, all, all things are, those are true things. Completely true. And moving to a place of, that happened. What do I do now? What is my right. response? Right. Is, what a powerful thing. And that it takes, it can take years to get there. Like, it yeah. can take years to get to a place where you can say, that that happened. It shouldn't have happened. It, it is wrong that it happened. And the reality is that it is there. So, my move. And the next move. What a, may, what a thing. It might come quickly and it might be... You know, with with, with uh, more resources available, it might be a rejection of that thing happening, mm-hmm. right? Or to say, um, I will not allow this anymore. Yeah. But without those resources, you know, sort of looking back to say, okay, that is, that's what went down. Yeah. And now how can I make a choice that is moving towards joy, love, compassion? Yeah, and then see what happens from there, and right? See, Knowing yeah. that all you have is kind of this this next step. Mm-hmm. How do you, what do you choose for today? Yeah. Thank you for, I, I'm really happy that, that you shared that because I think that there is a, it's so easy, especially with, with improv concepts to be like, yeah, that's fine and dandy for when you're making stories up on stage, you know? Yeah, that's great. Right. Oh yeah. Say yes. For when, you know, when, when you're building make-believe worlds and there are no stakes to getting it wrong and it's, you're not dealing with real stuff, but the, but the real world is difficult and complicated and it's not just that simple. And of course that's true. Of course it's not that simple. But but I'm, I'm really touched that you found a way to apply uh, one of these principles that we borrow from improvisation in a way that is meaningful for you in a very complicated, tragic, real world, hard situation. Mm-hmm. I, I just, yeah, I, I find that very just like inspiring and I'm grateful that you shared that. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I want to ask a question. This isn't necessarily about Conrad's situation, although it's clearly inspired by it. Like, um, when we're talking about accepting what happens yeah. in mindfulness and improv, like, okay, here it is. This has happened. We talked about this a little bit with our election episode. Mm-hmm. Okay, what comes next? Yeah. Where does resistance fit in? Is there a place, I mean, what's the place of active, no, I want things to be different from how they are, and I'm going to advocate for that to be the case? Well, maybe resistance fits in when there's a chance that your actions will make a difference. <laughs> Mm-hmm. I mean, in things that happen, events in the world, there's no going back and, cha- and changing it. Right. So, right. so right now there's all this resistance about Trump. There's all this like get in the streets and march and write letters and make your voice heard. And and don't just sit sit here and say, oh, well, I guess he got elected. So there it is. But there's the idea that, well, but my voice will make a difference. Like that there is possible. It is possible, it's possible. to change this course of events. I heard a quote once that was forgiveness means giving up on the idea that you'll have a different past Mm. or something like that. And so I feel like in situations where this thing happened to me, there's no changing that this thing happened, whether, you know, whatever, whatever it is. So in this, in this case, then 
the resistance or the standing up to an injustice, there's a fine line because it's saying, I know I can't change what has already happened. Right. And yet I am now going to advocate for a different future, for a, for a future that looks different. For a different Where that won't happen. Next. Yeah, for advocating for, for a particular kind of what comes next. Yeah. So that's, uh, that makes sense. And there's a quality to Conrad's letter that suggests to me that we can, in some way, actually change. Well, we can't change what it is that happened, but the meaning we make around it. Yeah. And, and the experience shift of lens. it. Can, the shifting a lens changes what, in some ways, what actually happened. Maybe. I'm, I'm, it's clearly a delicate yeah, no, but I know what you mean. Discover. I mean, in the same, in the way that it's like, we are storytellers, right? We do, we, the, the facts are not different. The facts are not different, but, but, but how you, but the, yeah, the meaning that you make from that and the way that, and I think the thing that changes is your relationship to it. Right. The frame around it. And, and, you know, I know a lot of people who've been through some really awful stuff mm-hmm. in their childhood or you know struggling with addiction or that sort of thing and they have said to me in different settings you know I wouldn't want my past to be different because that stuff gave me things that are super crucial now yeah gave me gifts and there's a um I had a conversation about failure with uh a guy named Paul Zed Jackson who's the head of the Applied Improvisation Network and we were talking about failure uh and I researched, and there's a song called Leave It Like It Is by David Wilcox, who mm. we've also referred to on the podcast before. But the premise of the song is that a paint can drops in the kitchen and spills all over the floor. And then the person who spills it is like, you know what? Leave it like it is. And they draw a frame around it, and they put gallery lighting on it. Yeah. And the rich folks all come over to dinner, and they all want one of their own. Like, oh, who made that? Yeah. Who's the artist? You know, Mistakes are gifts. a beautiful home. Yeah. And so the changing the attitude around the event you're not changing that it happened but you're making it into something different i mean in that case right you're putting you're putting a different frame around it literally you're framing it differently yeah Yeah. and so it it doesn't change that it happened but it changes the meaning of it so maybe there's a way that we can do that we can time travel to go back to our difficult or painful memories and say what's a different frame i can put around this that lets me have more spaciousness or fluidity or flexibility absolutely that emotions. helps me accept this that yeah. helps me helps me make it a part of my story instead of wishing that it hadn't been a part of my story right or or something yeah so again thank and you I, Conrad. yeah and i yeah and i just i don't have that i haven't i haven't experienced that sort of kind of a trauma but i have been very close to to those who have and i am aware that that can be a battle that you fight every single day and mm-hmm. i just commend you for sharing and car- carrying that and then and being willing to look at it that's mm-hmm. a hard thing yeah keep on so thank you keep it on and we love you yeah so okay hmm. there's our first mailbag thanks for writing everybody and we hope to continue receiving receiving notes about what you're inspired by or what you're curious about or questions that you have or comments or anything yeah and they could be in response to things you hear on the podcast heck they could be Questions about anything. Yeah. We'll take them. Yep. We'll play with them. Info at monsterbabypodcast.com. That's where you reach us. All right. So So uh, we'll see you next time. 
With and a, we hope that life treats you well between now and then. Uh, may may you be filled with the blessings of the season, whatever season you're listening to this in. Yeah. <laughs> yes. We happen to be in the holiday, wintertime, December season. Yeah. So uh, On our way to a holiday party at Bats Improv. Blessings to you and uh, thank you for your curiosity and we're glad to be with you. Yeah. Till next time. Ciao. Bye-bye. I shouldn't be singing that because it's going to be off rhythm with the track behind us now. Oh God! I love our music. I do too. It's so great. Uh, we hope you we hope you enjoyed that bit. You know, I I love I love you know what I love about it. I love the idea Tell that me. what we are doing can be a conversation with the folks who are listening. That it's not just us broadcasting ideas, but that it can be an exchange. So that excites me a lot. Totally cool. Yeah, it's really inspiring. To have something to riff on. Yeah. And it's kind of a shared control exercise. Ooh. Hold on. <laughs> Hold on. up. Buck- Wait a minute. Buckle the clips. <laughs> We're strapping in. Yeah, this is great. Um, so, yeah, please do keep sending thoughts and, and uh, we'd love to hear more. But. Yeah. And and uh, as always, you can, we've said this so many times, you can get us at info at monsterbabypodcast.com. Also, you can play with us at our retreat in Maine. There are still spots available the June 9th to the 14th. That is correct. So take a look at um, animalearning.com. Sure. Monsterbabypodcast.com. Sure. All Both of those, places all you of can those find places. it. You'll get you'll get the you'll get the, the, the goods. Get the deets. Yeah. And uh, but heck, bring a friend, bring a parent. Yeah. We've had couples on the trip on the retreat we'll say both of my parents have taken the re- have done the retreat wow. Ken's sister has done the retreat yeah it's just Make it a family affair it's all a family it's just we're all family now. we're all monster babies okay uh yeah hang in there uh love each other have an adventure talk to you soon and uh keep the love going bye-bye